We're going to continue our series, A Better Story, looking at the book of Galatians. And uh, this week we're going to look at the end of Galatians 3, as already been read, the end of Galatians 3 and the beginning of Galatians 4, which has already been read for us. And we're going to explore some incredible things that Paul here is trying to address. We first see here um, in the, the beginning of that section where we're talking about the law, again, kind of continuing on from what we've talked about previously. Um, the law uh, was uh, held us up in custody, it talks about, held us up in custody. Uh, we, we're in, held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. And and I get this picture um, that we've been locked up, and you, I get this picture that we've been holding onto bars. And like I've been talking about last week about control, we hold onto the bars, we hold onto our life, going, I need to sort things out, I need to figure things out, I need to be perfect under getting the, the rules and, and the, the law right. I need to do things to make sure I've got it sorted, or else I'm gonna be a mess. What Paul invites us into to realize that when we see the law as like that, the law has actually put us in prison. The law has put us in prison. When we try to hold on and control our lives, we've been imprisoned, but Christ has come to set us free as to believe in faith in him. It's just trusting in him that actually frees us. That's why Christ has come. We are now children and we are clothed in him and receive the power to bring life to others. And when we have been imprisoned and in under control, it affects us, but it also affects our world. You see, this whole control thing, when we are trying to do life in our own terms, it affects how we treat others, it affects the selfishness and pride to how we relate to this world and in particular about the walls that we put up that divide us. And we see here that the famous scripture here of which Paul talks about of what Jesus Christ has done because there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We have all been unified. All these dividing walls that have separated us have been smashed in Jesus Christ. What Christ has done is he breaks the walls. He breaks the walls. He tears down the walls that we have divided, placed up to divide ourselves from one another. And here we see this This famous scripture. It actually comes, uh, Paul here is saying that that scripture because it comes from another famous Jewish prayer that Jewish rabbis of that day would pray. They would pray, God, I thank you that you've blessed me by not being a Gentile, by not being a slave or ignorant, and by not being a woman. The Jewish, famous Jewish prayer of that day would be that kind of prayer, which is a sad thing that Jewish male rabbis would pray and so Paul here is saying no 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 in Jesus Christ we are all united those walls that we've placed up to divide ourselves from other people to say that we're better or we have more than another uh, we need to smash those walls and realize that we are united in Christ and there is transformation that takes place and so there's three key things that they're uh, they are addressing here in those prayers uh, and so they were real divides in that day and age, and they're massive divides in our cultural day and age today. Those three things is firstly the racial divide. 
a Jew and Gentile, that you're a better person if you're a certain race. That divide is, is so real in our culture. That's, that's why Black Lives Matter has been such a massive deal for us today in our, in our culture because of the, the real divide that has been placed in our culture between races and particularly how we've dealt with you know, the Aboriginal people, how we've dealt with people of different race and ethnicity, it, it needs to be addressed and needs to change. We, uh, I am a, a white male who have had so much uh, privilege and blessing, I need to realize that my whiteness can't determine how I see this world. I need to just see and look out for others. I need to, to, to recognize that I need to break down these walls of racial, these racial walls that we place up as a culture. I need to be a part of bringing restoration and bringing transformation to our community. Second wall is the, the socioeconomic wall, the wall of, of uh, wealth that we see the homeless, we see those people who are, don't have as much money, we see a divide between us. We, we kind of have this, oh, they're, they're pretty ignorant, they, you know, some, they're, they're not trying hard enough. We, di we just don't understand these kind of people and we build walls to say we're better than these kinds of people because we have money and privilege. But we need to recognize that's a wall to be smashed by the unity of Jesus. And then the third war is, wall is the, the gender wall, the male versus female, where, where females have totally been uh, abused and, and um, hurt by men and by the power that men want to place over females. And we need to realize that we have to break those walls, continually break down those walls uh, that we've divided us between male and female and see restoration and transformation take place as we are unified in Christ. Now, these walls that we've placed up in our culture, they're, they're mostly built by three things. They're built by shame, guilt, and the big one, fear. And the story that we're addressing today, the story our culture has been saturated in, is the story of fear. Now, fear, fear is the currency of oppression. Whenever we see oppression, that other people are, are belittling and, and oppressing others, it comes from a place of fear. It comes from a place of what, what are they going to do to me? How, how are they going to see me? Uh, what, what, you know, this fearful thing that is about me protecting my thing and my life. We get fearful and so then we oppress others because of that fear. It's the currency of oppression is fear. Fear grips people and causes them to do terrible things. And so we need to be aware of how we see the different person. We need to be aware of how we see the other. Because when we see the different person through a lens of fear, we actually see them as a threat. Now, if you're walking down the street and you see a homeless person on the side of the road, if you have a place of fear and you see them with fear, you're just going to think, what are they going to do to me? Are they going to attack me? I'm a bit scared to go near them. They're a bit weird. And we just have this divide that's between us. And then we come from a lens of fear. We automatically see them as a threat. But when we see with a lens, we see that different person through a lens of faith, as Jesus calls us to, we see them as see the, the, the situation as an opportunity. 
We see it as the situation as an opportunity. Likewise, if we're walking down the street and see a homeless person and we, we see them with a lens of faith, we see, hey, how can I maybe bring the gospel? How can I actually, maybe I could supply some money or I could go get some food or I could just talk with this person, actually hear their story. It's an opportunity of faith to actually bring the transformation power of God into our world. See the different lenses. We see it either with fear, we see them as a threat. We see it with faith, we see the, the situation as an opportunity. And so it's important to address and realize how do we see the different people around us? How do we see the other around us? How do you do that? Is that, is that something that challenges you? Someone uh, maybe who is different to you with a racial difference or the socioeconomic difference or that gender difference. How do you see the other? And how can we continue to break down the walls as Jesus has called us? Break down those walls of divide and to bring the, the life and transformation of Jesus to our world. Now in 1994, there was a terrible thing that happened in the Rwanda genocide. And it happened over three months, just a short amount of time, just three months. There was around a million people killed in the Rwanda genocide. And it was all based upon different clans, different tribes, seeing the other tribes as a threat. And because of fear, they were like, no, 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 let's, let's get rid of them. Let's kill them. And it was a very clan, tribe-based thing, seeing the different person as a threat based on fear. And this terrible thing happened uh, where um, you know, a million people were killed. It was devastating for the, for the country, devastating so, so many lives. Uh, and then the, the years to follow, the, um, the Rwanda government was trying to restore Rwanda and trying to bring back hope. And so they did this thing where uh, they uh, would no longer have any tribes or clans. There was no longer that, that, that divide, that wall, that barrier, that kind of built up to, to difference people, they, they got rid of that to say, no, no, no more tribes. We're all one people. We're all Rwandan. And uh, they also built these uh, transformation villages where they would invite people of different types of, of tribes and to kind of unite them to bring this all together sense. And so they, they uh, grabbed a girl uh, called Grace and Grace had lost her whole family in the Rwandan genocide. Her whole family had been killed. And so she was the only person left. She had been invited into this uh, community. And then they also invited this another guy called John. And they were going to be neighbors. Grace and John were going to be neighbors. And John uh, was a perpetrator. He was one who actually killed people and murdered people as a part of bringing this terrible thing to reality. And um, as a result, he was put into prison. And uh, he was serving his time, and in his time in prison, there were missionaries that came and uh, led him to the Lord. He found Jesus, and uh, Jesus transformed his life. He still had so much shame and guilt about doing this evil and this wrong, but he slowly began to see that Jesus actually loved him, and Jesus wanted the best for him. And he actually decided he wanted to actually help build Rwanda, actually want to help make something different uh, for the future of Rwanda. And so an opportunity came. Uh, where they were inviting you know, prisoners to serve a lesser sentence by just being a part of 
some of these villages and actually restoring, bringing life to the Rwandan community. And so he, he, he didn't feel like he was good enough. He felt, felt the shame and guilt going, I don't know if I can, but he was like, you know, I, I want to see a better Rwanda. And so he joined the Transformation Village and uh, he was partnered with Grace. Now, the thing is between these people, John was the actual, actual person that murdered Grace's family. He was the person who killed her family. And the government brought these two people together to unite these two t totally broken, divided people together to restore and bring transformation. And at the very first, you know, they plumped them on a bit of land together to be neighbours. And the first thing they did is they built a wall between them. They didn't want a bar of each other. They didn't want to relate to each other. They were scared of each other. They had this shame, guilt and fear wrapped in their relationship. John had so much shame and guilt. He, didn't, he, he struggled to relate to her because he, he felt so sorry. And he, there was nothing he could do that actually could restore that shame and guilt. And then uh, Grace, there was a war between it because she had so much fear. This guy killed her family. This guy kind of did all these dirty things to her family and oh, there was fear. And so there was this great war between them. But then slowly, day by day, they would get to know each other. Day by day, they would kind of meet and you know they'd be neighbors and John would help Grace, kind of building her home with things that she couldn't quite do. He would be a part of helping. And then slowly they got to talk and open up about the hurt and pain that they'd been going through. And through this process, there was transformation and forgiveness that took place. Forgiveness really saturated their relationship up until a point now where they continue to be neighbors now, and but now they actually call each other family where they both don't actually have physical family, they call each other their family. They are each other's family. And they've, they've, through the power of forgiveness and through the power of what Jesus has done in each of their lives, they were able to forgive each other and actually be united as family where they could laugh and, and enjoy life together because of what the power of Christ does. And that's the power of transformation. That's what Jesus calls us into, invites us into to break down those walls of shame, guilt, and fear by inviting us into forgiveness. And this is difficult because some people really hurt us sometimes. Some people really have done some terrible things to us. But what we're called to do is live in forgiveness. There's a term before this, this phrase, these, um, these divides. There's a term that we are called into because of these divides. We are called into be clothed in Christ. We're called to be clothed in Christ. To be clothed in His ways. We're actually meant to take on His persona. Take on the way that He calls us and He lived. And what did Jesus do? Jesus, at the time of His cross, on the cross, He said, Father, Forgive these people who are killing me because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. He's being killed on the cross by these people. And what he's saying is forgive them. An amazing act of grace for these immediate people and an amazing act of grace that he continues to show for us. This is the example that we're meant to live in, to be clothed in Christ, to live in forgiveness. And so can, can I encourage you to... this? This can be a difficult thing to do, to walk a path of forgiveness, but it needs to happen. 
In order for us to truly see transformation in our community, we need to address the forgiveness, the unforgiveness in our hearts. And so there may be people that you need to forgive. And so can I encourage you to go on a journey of forgiveness? And, and that doesn't just mean you just blindly just trust them with whatever you want and you, know, you just kind of let them do whatever, but you need to actually speak to someone. The thing with forgiveness, okay, you need to involve somebody else. You need to involve the, the power of the Word of God. And you need to involve the prayer and a true healing by the Spirit of God. You need to let those three things kind of continue to work into this place of forgiveness. I, I so encourage you to talk to somebody and to actually let God transform something in you by opening up with these big issues. And I'm not asking you to just forget it and just, you know, you need to walk away. That's what forgiveness is. No, no. Forgiveness is dealing with it in a true holistic kind of way. And so it's a it's a big thing, but I encourage you, come come talk to someone. Come talk to Michaela or I. Come talk to one of the leaders there in your dinner church because it's so important for us to address these issues of forgiveness, to see transformation take place in our community because we are united in Christ. We're called to break down the walls, the divides that we place up in front of people. We need to break down fear, guilt, and shame and see the transformation of Jesus take place as we're clothed in him and learning his ways. And as we do that, as we think about it and continue to be clothed in him, what happens is we become children of God. We are united in Christ, clothed in Christ, and we are now children, heirs of the Father, heirs of the Creator God, the one who created everything and brought us together, knit us together. We are His children. We have been welcomed into the family. There is so much importance on what this plays in our lives. And it, the, the, the passage that it talks about is we have all received the adoption to sonship. And uh, this, this phrase sonship, he, I think, is important. And, and uh, it is, you know, it's, it's specific of what Paul is doing. He's saying the, the phrase sonship not to exclude women, because, you know, previously he said it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, we are all unified in Christ. And, he, and then he goes on to say, we all would receive, we all would receive the adoption to sonship. Now, particularly in that day and age, it was important to reference that because. A son got the inheritance. The, a son got the family authority. The son got these incredible things from the family, got passed down to the son. And unfortunately, the women, you know, they got married into other families and um, they had importance in, in, in being received in other families. But particularly, it was the son that actually got this inheritance in those days and age. And so what Paul here is saying is, no, we all have the authority of sonship. It doesn't matter if you're a, or a Jew or a Gentile, a, a slave or a free or a man or a woman. We all have the authority of sonship. We all have the blessing of sonship. And so there are three things that the sonship gives us. It gives us the authority, as I've been talking about, that we speak the authority of the Father. And what our authority comes from our Father and what our Father has done and what He has built up. Our authority comes from Him. And secondly, it's our inheritance. That we have the inheritance, the very wealth of what God has done in our lives. We get to inherit His wealth. And that is so broad and big and incredible, amazing blessing that you have. And then number three, we, we get the blessing of the Father through sonship and through what he has done. We get authority, 
we get inheritance and we get blessing. And so let's see our place, how he welcomes us. He invites us in. If it's you know, if we think about the story of the lost son, the prodigal son, of how this young guy who tries and he takes his inheritance from his father and, and goes and spends it, does whatever he wants with his life, and he ends up in a in a terrible place and realizes he needs to go back to his father. And what does his father do? He welcomes us in. He welcomes his son in, lavishly blesses him, pulls this massive party, does these incredible things for him to say, You are so welcome. In this family and so god our father doesn't matter how what your relationship with your father is today whether it's difficult whether father's day is a tough time there is a loving gracious god who invites us into his family calls us his children calls us his sons and daughters puts authority and importance in our lives so that we can see transformation in this world he calls us so that we can bring the very blessing and life, the forgiveness and transformation that he calls us into is for this world. And so let us receive that important part of welcoming love today. Let us be embraced by his spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for how incredible you are. Thank you that you have clothed us in you. And so... When we're thinking about these things, yes, I've been clothed in Christ. Awesome. We need to see forgiveness take place in our world. Yes, uh, I, I have the uh, sonship and daughtership. Uh, I can live in that kind of thing. Sometimes I think, like, what, what does that actually mean? How, do, what is that? How do, am I meant to live in light of all things? I think it's so important that we continue to see the power of prayer and the power of the scriptures as a key part of building this continually. We need to break the mindsets that we aren't welcome and go, no, God has welcomed me in. We need to break the mindsets that we're not clothed. We're clothed in the, the way of fear. No, we're not clothed in the way of fear. You're clothed in Christ. And the way that we continue to let these be a reality in our lives is through prayer and through his word. These are daily practices we need to keep inhabiting in our lives. We need to keep focusing in on realizing these things because... If we don't, we're living in a place where we're clothed in fear. I don't want to be clothed in fear. I want to be clothed in Christ. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need reading the Word. And so there's been a really helpful prayer for me this week. Uh, there's this thing called posture prayers, which uh, is about uh, using your hands and engaging with God in a certain way. It's just another different form of prayer that's been helpful for me this week. And we're just going to go through some posture prayer. And um, so I'm going to ask you to do some actions with your hands to actually symbolize some certain dispositions to God, to posture yourself. And this is something you could do every day a simple thing to actually bring to God your life. And so we're going to go through three things. We're going to go through surrender. We're going to go through generosity. And we're going to go through mission. And so I want you to get ready to use your hands in your posture. And I'll lead us into this moment of prayer as we just let God and give God, surrender to God our lives again tonight. And so why don't you just close your eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us tonight. That you're upon us, we just want to meet with you. We want to draw into your presence. We want to know you and we want to submit to you and let the story of fear be broken, that you're going to break those walls of divide in our lives to see a transformation take place in our world. And so God, right now, why don't you just lift your hands up like this and clench them in fists. 
And so Lord, we recognize that our natural disposition is to fight for our lives and to hold on to control for ourselves, to, to fight our way through life, figuring out life for ourselves. We, we recognize that that's our natural disposition. But God, right now, we open up our hands. And so just open your hands right now. We open up our hands and say that we surrender to you. We give you our whole life. We give you everything, Jesus. We lay down control. We lay down what we think we know. And we just ask that you'd fill us with your spirit and your presence to break down the walls of divide that are between us and others. God, help us, Lord. We surrender to you. We give you everything and everyone. God, secondly, we, we place our hands. And so just place your hands in front of you or in your lap like this and with clenched fists. And so, Lord, we say, God, that our natural inclination is to hold on to things and to hold on to our wealth, our time and our energy for ourselves and to build what we want for our lives. But God, right now, we release our hands. We release those and open up our hands and say, Lord, we want to live generous lives. We want to live with generosity in and how we do things, God, that our time, our money, our effort would truly be about living generosity, generously for others, to see how those things could actually bless and bring life and transformation to others. So help us live generous lives. And then thirdly, just place your hands in front of you like this in a forward motion and just fold your hands God, we recognize that our, our natural inclination is to try and do what we want in our way, that we want to build our careers, that we want to build our status, that we want to build our importance in the way that we want to do it. And so that's our natural inclination. But God, we just open up our hands in a forward motion as if to say, God, we want to be on mission for what you want to do, for reaching out and seeing others. God, we want to truly see transformation take place in this world. God, we want to see the, the walls that have been built up by fear, guilt and shame. We want to see them broken. We want to see forgiveness take place in the relationships around us. We want to see our family restore. We want to see friendships restore. We want to see life found in our world around us. And so see, help us see the mission that we are on, to see heaven come here on earth. Oh God, we pray Come and fill us afresh with your strength and power to believe that as we surrender to you, we are clothed in you, Jesus Christ. We are heirs. We have an authority from heaven. We have sons and daughters of you, God. We have the authority to believe for your kingdom to come. And so fill us afresh, oh God, with all that you are. Jesus, we need you. You're so amazing, oh Lord. You're so amazing. Come fill us in every home, in every dinner church that we're at. We want your presence. We need you, Holy Spirit. You're so amazing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.